Well, today is the day to be here. We are going to look at a couple principles that you can use to radically change your life. A couple of these will be to those married or those single that are thinking maybe someday to get married, but then principles that apply to each and every one of us. For instance, here's a Gallup poll. Gallup does research across the country. He says this, for couples that do one thing, divorce rate will go from a staggering one in two to just one in 1,052. Doing one thing, and we'll talk about what that is in a moment, can take the risk of divorce from one in two to one in 1,052. Those two numbers are not even in the same universe. So we'll see what that one thing is, and we'll see several other principles to apply for each of us, married, single, whatever your situation is. First Thessalonians 2, 13. Notice what Paul says here. We thank God because when you received the word of God, you accepted it, not as the word of man, but as the word of God. And notice, which is at work in you, who believe. Scripture, we are told, is the very breath of God. Not just words of men, not just wisdom of men, inspired by God, eternal truth. And for those of us who choose to live by the Scripture, we're told that that word of God, the breath of God, is at work in you. It works in you. It works in me. Jesus would give a parable about a seed, and he would say that seed is the word. It's put into the ground, and it grows, first the head, then the stalk, then it produces a crop. And he says that seed will grow even if we don't know how. Well, when Scripture gets into our hearts, into our ears, into our thinking, a natural process takes place where you and I will be changed. When we gather together on Sunday to study Scripture, that word goes forth, it's the breath of God, goes into our hearts, begins to work, even if we don't know how. It changes our thinking, our decision-making, our day-to-day believing and actions. For those who believe, that word does a work in you. Now, here's something George McCullough said, your behavior should mirror the word of God. Your behavior should mirror the word of God. So, when that word does its work in you, in me, it changes us. That's why we come together on Sundays. That's why we encourage then in our private time to continue to study scripture and say, give me the mind of Christ. This is the Chester Cathedral in England, built in 1541. Inscribed there is the prayer called a Knight's Prayer. Here's the work of the word in somebody. This is the prayer of the Knight's. Lord, I'm ready on the threshold of this new day to go forth, armed with thy power, seeking adventure on the high road to right wrong, overcome evil, suffer wounds, endure pain if need be, but in all things to serve thee bravely, faithfully, joyfully, that at the end of the day's labor, kneeling for thy blessing, thou may find no blot upon my shield, their character, their life. When that word does a work, it changes us. My wife and I recently went to Amish country and we stopped at the museum and they talked about the history. They said, there's one story we want people to know that captures our faith, the word at work. This is Dirk Willems, 
1569 in the Netherlands. What he did was he stood opposed to the state-run church. Specifically, the state-run church told you what to believe and when you were to be baptized. And Dirk said, faith is what you believe in your heart, not what you're told to believe. And he said, baptism is something you do when you surrender your life to Christ. It's not something you do because the state says when you do it. And so he got baptized when he saw mature faith in his own life. Well, that was illegal. If the state said you get baptized when they determine, you were not supposed to do that on your own. He then began to teach this gospel message, the true gospel. You believe in Christ and follow him in baptism when you believe. So he was arrested for that. Dirk Willems in prison, his friend said, this is unjust. They brought a ladder, put it up to the prison window, helped him escape. He ran from the prison yard. A guard saw him and gave chase. Dirk himself, not a large man, he ran across a frozen pond. The guard, a very large man, followed him. The guard, however, broke the ice and fell into the freezing water. He cried out, help. Dirk Willems turned back, ran to the man, pulled him out of the icy water and safely to shore. The guard grabbed him and held him and other guards ran up and surrounded Dirk and they said, why did you come back? You know what we must now do to you. And Dirk said, I serve Jesus. He tells me, love your enemies and do good to those who misharm you. Three days later, he was burned at the stake. When the word does the work in you, the word does the work in me changes everything. Contrast that with Hebrews 4.2. Unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. The them in this context is Moses and all the people with him, 1500 BC. They had the gospel preached just like the disciples did in the first century. And Moses' day, the gospel was preached with the metaphor of the Passover, they put the lamb's blood on the door and death and judgment passed over their house. And then the apostles were able to see the fullness of the gospel in Christ. But notice what it says next. The word preached, though, did not profit them. The word preached did not profit them. Why? Go back to read Exodus. The people saw this great miracle, parting of the Red Sea, the plagues. Deliverance from the greatest army on earth at that time, Egypt. Then in the desert, they had the daily food, saw the glory cloud, all these miracles they could visibly see. But what did the people do? They started to worship false gods, make sacrifices to Baal. They began to have division and violence, immorality, complaining, never satisfied. So the message was given to them, but it did not profit them. They lived anything but that message. Now the writer of Hebrews says there's one thing that would have changed all of that. We'll change it for us. We'll see it here in just a moment. And again, Gallup, what do you think one thing that you and I could do 
We'll take the divorce rate from one in two to one in 1,052. Several months ago, we were in Amish country and I found a painting by Sarah M. Weaver. She's passed away. The painting is the broad road. And on one side of the painting is the narrow road of Christ. And at the end of the road, there's all the joy and blessings she painted. On the broad road is destruction. And she depicts various scenes of sin and judgment on that road. And her painting is to encourage us to choose the narrow road. Why it's so beautiful is she started painting at 43. At 11 years old, she was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. Much of her time was bedridden, pain, brokenness, but she had a deep faith. She wanted to paint this picture. And so she began at 43, two hours a day, some days too painful to paint, but in two years she finished this painting. And now copies of it are available. And again, a testimony to somebody when that word did a work. But she also, when she could, wrote poems. And here's one that Sarah M. Weaver wrote. My right eye is faltering, won't close at will. My back needs massaging, my sides swollen still. Set me upright in bed, breathing is low. I eat alone, I'm messy and slow. Where's the ambition, the blessing I'd be? Where's my incentive? Growing stale, I agree. I ask, where's the me of yesteryear? The one who is doing, conquering all fear. Awake from thy slumber, awake now and pray. Pray for the brethren while it's yet day. My eyes are enlightened, there's still much to do. Through God's wondrous grace, I can help not a few. Though my work seems nil, may it ever be blessed that thousands upon thousands may find God's rest. What happens when the word works in you or me? We think different, believe different, act different. Back to Hebrews. What happened to the people with Moses? Again, the writer, unto them the gospel was preached, but the word preached did not benefit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. They heard the word. They didn't mix the word with faith. What does it mean to mix the word with faith? Simply means to believe the word and to then be obedient to what it says to do. To not simply say these are interesting philosophies of men, but to say, you know what, this is the breath of God. And if the breath of God says I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength, then I shall try to do all things knowing he will meet me there, carry me through. If scripture says, what can man do to me? Whom shall I fear? Then I will begin to live with courage and turn away from fear fears of rejection and opinions and all the other things that people get caught up in. If scripture declares that I am righteous and holy because Christ has declared me so through his perfect sacrifice, then in faith, 
I'll reject things like condemnation and guilt and the lies of the enemy that comes along to dissuade me, and I'll declare instead in him, I can have all the promises, yes and amen, through Christ. When you mix faith with the word, then you start saying things different, believing things different, sensing you have a calling on your life, whether bedridden, perfect peace at all things. The breath of God. Study by Harvard School, confirmed by Bowling Green. What happens when the word is mixed with faith? Here's a study. Both studies show regular attendance at church together as a couple reduces the risk of divorce a remarkable 47 percent. If you're married, again, if you're not married and thinking about it, reduce the risk of divorce, 47% regular together church attendance. One of the strongest things you can do. Why? Because when you honor God, he honors the union that you have and blesses that in unique ways where suddenly you start to relate different one to another. This is a quote from John Newton. He wrote Amazing Grace. He says, this much depends on the way we come into trouble. Paul and Jonah were both in a storm, but in very different circumstances. Jonah in the storm and then the great fish, his cries were desperate pleas for help. Paul himself was in a storm and in that storm, he had perfect peace. One of them mixed the word with faith. The other was in trembling fear. What happens again, the change that takes place when we walk in him and say this word, it does a work in me. Even if I don't fully understand it, I trust it and know it's happening. A natural process being conformed to Christ. This is John Wilfinger, 1942, a missionary south of Australia. At the time, Japanese forces during the war overtook the island, put out an arrest warrant for any missionaries. John Wilfinger found out his name was at the top of their list. He said, you know, if I hide, they may destroy some of these villages to find information about me, I'll just turn myself in. He was engaged. It was a three-day walk to turn himself in to the Japanese soldiers. He hoped he'd find his fiance to say goodbye. He did not. When the soldiers saw him, he was arrested and sentenced to die just hours after Christmas. His belongings were returned to his family. He was martyred for sharing the gospel. And inside his Bible was this poem. No mere man is Christ, I know, the greater than all below. Day by day, his love enfolds me. Day by day, his power upholds me. All that God could ever be, 
the man of Nazareth is to me. No mere man can my strength sustain, drive away all fear and pain. Holding me close in his embrace when death and I stand face to face, then all that God could ever be, the unseen Christ will be for me. Now that poem was printed. Underneath that, he had handwritten these four words. Hallelujah. This is real. When that word gets mixed with faith, and that word does its work in us, our entire being is completely changed. As we close, Matthew 6, 7, a verse people often get confused on. Jesus said, do not use vain repetitions like the pagans. A lot of people think that means don't repeat prayers. Nothing's further from the truth. When you mix faith with the word, you might find scriptures that you want to pray many times over. In fact, if you study Jesus, when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 22, he says, Father, take this cup from me once. He says it a second time. And then we're told this, verse 44, Jesus left them, went away once again and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. He is not opposed to repetition. What he said to be opposed to is vain repetition. Vain means useless or without faith. In a place that you might find yourself is saying, you know what? How can I find that word working in me more? Maybe you'll find a scripture and you'll begin to pray it many times a day. I've shared before, this gentleman here shared overcoming depression. He prayed Psalm 23, 200 times a day. Others have found scriptures to speak to their needs and they have prayed those same things. And so that word works in the heart. Some, again, choose to use older prayers. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner, and just begin to use that daily or the Lord's prayer. Whatever it is that speaks to you in the eternal truth, that breath of God, take it, use it for your life. Going back to Gallup research with that understanding, here's the key. For couples that pray together every night, the divorce rate goes from a staggering one in two to one in 1,000 and 52. Pray together every night. Find scriptures that speak to you and in faith declare them, speak them, claim them, read them, and allow that work of the word to be done in you. In the 19th century, these two gentlemen met. On the left side is Charles Bradlaugh. On the right, Hugh Hughes. Bradlaugh was a well-known atheist. Hughes was a well-known believer who worked in some of the poorest areas of London. Bradlaugh loved to debate about theology and try to make people that believed in God somehow look silly. So he said to Hughes, a man he knew was respected. Why don't we have a debate about whether God exists or not? Word spread through London. These two well-known men talking about the most important question of all, does God exist? Newspapers caught hold of it. 
They were excited with this debate take place. And then Hugh Hughes said to Bradlaugh, tell you what, I'll debate you on one condition. You bring a hundred men whose lives have been changed by atheism. Real change from hopelessness to perfect peace, from brokenness to wholeness, delivered from things like alcoholism, broken marriages being restored. You bring a hundred men like that who will say their life changed by their atheism, I'll debate you. And then Hughes said, you know what, I'll tell you what, make it 50 men. And he said on second thought, you know what, bring 20, 20 men or women who can declare their life changed. And then Hughes said, I'll tell you what, bring one person whose life has been changed for the better by being an atheist, and I'll debate you. Bradlaugh publicly withdrew his challenge to debate. Real faith and the Word of God and those two mixed together Then we begin to behold and obtain and understand more and more why Jesus said, it is for freedom for which we have been set free.